Who do you need to target for the Saints quarterback position this year? Which AFC East tight end represents a good value in FFPC best ball drafts at this moment? And where do we think Kyle Pitts ends up after the NFL draft? Plus, the 2020-23 time football guys, Dynasty and best ball league champ, Dan Priester makes his debut on the show as he discusses Miles Sanders, Denzel Mims, Adam Thielen, and many more players. We've got a great show for you tonight. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I'm your slightly average ho- uh, above average host, Eric Balkman. I can't talk tonight, apparently. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, the number of the night. Uh, tonight's HSFFO are brought to you by the number 20 because that is how many days we have until we are ringing in the 2021 NFL Draft. Can't wait for it. I know you're as excited as anyone. I mean, it can't get here soon enough. I am um, so thrilled about this draft. Oddly enough, uh, didn't go to the Senior Bowl this year, didn't have a combine this year. I feel closer and uh, more connected to some of these players than I have players that I've seen in person in the past. So, it's, it's uh, I, and I don't know why uh, I would say that other than that from our fantasy hobby, we have so much skill players to decide upon and so many very good teams that these guys could land with. Good situations, good teams, lots of skill players. In a draft that we thought would have a uh, not a great depth of talent because many players stayed in school, this, this draft uh, appears to be giving us a lot to be excited about. It always seems that way, right? I mean, it always seems like um, there, there's a lot of times when we talk about uh, the NFL, the upcoming NFL draft, and it's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be as good as, as this past year's. I don't know if it's going to be as good as next year's. And then now we look at this draft. Yeah, there's some pretty good running backs in it. Maybe not the deepest class ever. Um, there's a lot of good receivers in it. Maybe not the most top-heavy class ever. And then we ha- allegedly have, the greatest tight end of all time in this draft too, not to mention maybe as many as five first round quarterbacks. So it could be a very interesting night coming up in the last Thursday in April. I can't wait for that. And uh, we will bring you um, all our analysis coming up on tonight's show. We're going to be very rookie heavy uh, for the 2021 NFL draft on tonight's show. We're going to talk about Justin Fields. We're going to talk about Zach Wilson. We're going to talk about Kyle Pitts and money, many, many more uh, rookies. Um, plus a, a lot of good veteran analysis tonight. We're going to get um, a champion of 23 football guys, dynasty and best ball leagues from last season alone. Dan Priestner, AKA Joe Van Gogh. He's going to talk Jags receivers, his favorite best ball stacks this year and a lot more. Shout out to the chat room. Uh, right now we got a ton of guys in there. Hudson Kern Reeve, Kevin Williamson, Dave, the Dizzle Gerzak, and many more. Mm. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. And obviously make sure you're joining the Kentucky fantasy football state championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook page for the show tonight is facebook.com slash HSFFR. And you can always give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347 347- Game over. 
You can also email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. If you do have any questions for us or for Dan slash Joe, now is the time to send them. We're going to try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails, and the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our audio, or, uh, beg your pardon, and our producer and mutual friend, Rob. In case you missed the announcement, we got a lot of stuff going on at the FFPC. Dynasty Orphans sold out. Dynasty Startups, oh, they're drafting right now, including the new Rotoviz Superflex Triflex Leagues. Yeah, that's right. Three flexes, Superflex Leagues. Check those out. MyFFPC.com slash Dynasty. The Football Guys Players Championship 2021 version is out. $500,000 for first place. You come up short, second place, we're still going to give you hundred grand. And the early bird is live. So make sure you're signing up a uh, team right now to get your free $35 FFPC team credit. Best ball drafts open as low as $5 best ball day Cinco options. And the uh, FFPC main event early bird is live right now. You can save on $100 off your first team before May 31st, $400 off each additional team. And don't forget, if you want to play in the KFFSC, Run to Daylight is live right now, KFFSC.com. Signups are underway. Drafts going on right now. Drafts continuing through May. That's the Run to Daylight. And, of course, the Draft Master is available at KFFSC.com. A slightly personal note, I am signed up for a Draft Master with the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. We are one team away from setting uh, setting a sale on our league right now. Just one more team. $39. $39. Sign up right now, and we can get drafting this weekend, kffsc.com, yeah. for the um, KFFSC Draftmaster number four. Uh, I want to thank football guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports, Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's talk Raiders football. Always a great topic of oh, conversation yes. to kick off a show when we have Farrell Elliott on. Um, John Gruden, the head coach there, maybe for life, we yes. don't know. Uh, he's talked up Kenyon Drake and his versatility. This according to a report on ESPN.com. Gruden said he can run it, catch it, and return it. He's a threat to make a big play with or without it. Now, you look back to 2020 when he was with the Arizona Football Cardinals. Uh, I don't know about that, but Gruden said that uh, as far as uh, Kenya Drake goes, he wants to feature him not just in the backfield, but in the slot, split out wide. He wants him catching the ball for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Josh Jacobs is obviously the um, uh, uh, you know, dominant bell cow running back in Las Vegas right now. And, and he wasn't, you know, Kenyon Drake didn't really light the world on fire as a receiver for the Cardinals, but, you know, John Gruden is an offensive guy, Farrell. And you look at Kenyon Drake right now, as far as his, his FFPC best ball ADP um, over the last five days, which we want to thank, uh, Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com for all the hard work he puts in for the ADP. He's going as running back 35. Farrell, you can get him in the middle of the ninth round right now. To me, I'm I'm on board with Kenyon Drake at that point. How about you? I'm on board with both these Raider running backs. If someone is drafting those players where they're going now, they should wear a black outfit, put on a little face black, a little skull cap. They should look like the thief that they are. Bulky, these guys, this is a fabulous position. You know, <laughs> Drake, uh, October 28, 2019, I want to go back to that day. That marked the trade that he took from the Dolphins to the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals should have seen the writing on the wall. They should have seen the die is cast. I'll give you another slogan. My father always said that that guy can't stand prosperity, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, down at the uh, Arizona Cardinals with the coach in the front office because I, just like Kenyon Drake in late October 2019, made my way to the desert for the 49ers and uh, the Cardinals, a game that was on Thursday night, uh, uh, Halloween night. And Kenyon Drake, 15 carries, 110 yards, ran mean, ran angry, one touchdown, caught four passes like you say he can, ran for 52 yards, was impressive. These guys couldn't stand prosperity. Now, you take this player and you, you, you uh, Coach Gruden, he, <laughs> he says, I want another running back in my backfield. I'm tired of what I'm dealing with with Booker, who has now parted ways and gone to the Giants. I suppose Jalen Rashard's career is over. Uh, there with the Raiders. So, you know, you've got a situation where this team ran the ball 450 times last year. 
there's enough for both these players. 551 passes from David Carr. You know, to be an elite team, an elite offensive team, 55 to 60 touchdowns gets it done. The Raiders had 48 touchdowns last year. Maybe Kenyon Drake is the difference in the 7 to 10 touchdowns that would put them in elite status. I know that I love the possibilities that the great visionary John Gruden will have for this player and the whole Raider group uh, in 2021. Yeah, you know, you just look at it from the, the team construction standpoint. You know, if you go zero mm-hmm. RB in any of these drafts, you can get Kenyon Drake in the middle of the ninth round. That guy could pay huge dividends, especially when you consider Josh Jacobs' injury history, Josh Jacobs' usage history, quite frankly. Um, Drake mm-hmm. could pay off big time for people who are drafting him in the ninth round. Want to shift things very briefly to the rookie class here, Farrell, as we have a question from the chat room from one of the, um, I, I wouldn't say the main mascot of the show, but certainly the alternate mascot, the secondary mascot, maybe officially the, the, the main mascot. I don't know. The, these, uh, these titles are very, um, very uh, fun. Yeah, mascot, um, but, but, I don't uh, know. We could probably work <laughs> We, we, yeah, we can go a lot of different ways with, with who the official mascot is of the show. But we're going to go to Hudson Kern-Reeve, and he has a really Oh, well, that's here. the greatest guy in the world, of course. He, he's he right is. up there, man. Um, yeah. he, wants to, he wants us to rank the, these four rookies. And as far as anybody drafting in the FFPC right now for Dynasty Startup Drafts, which you can do so at myffpc.com slash dynasty. Don't forget there's an FFP – or uh, beg your pardon – KFFSC dynasty out there right now that is waiting to be filled up. He wants to know between these four, Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama, Jamar Chase, the receiver out of LSU, Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson, and then, of course, the demigod, apparently, Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Farrell, right now in an FFPC startup draft, how are you ranking those guys between the two running backs, Harris and Etienne, and then the receiver Chase, the tight end, Kyle Pitts? Harris, Pitts, Chase, and Etienne. Okay, so this is interesting um, because I have Harris first. I have Pitts third, but I have um, on my list um, Etienne second and Chase fourth. Tell me why you don't like Etienne. Is it the fact that you don't think he'll be a three-down back, or why why are you elevating Chase higher than Etienne and Pitts? Exactly. I don't think he is a three-down back. And based on where we, you know, I'm watching all of the mock drafts, which which change, you know, every day. We have uh, Bucky Brooks has his 2.0 version. Another guy has his his third mock draft. And, you know, I can't wait for Charlie Cashley's mock draft because that's the one that I want to pay attention to. All of them, though, have one thing in common. They always have the the running back ATN moving to a team uh, that that I see challenges for him being successful uh, right away. Now he is a fantastic player. I mean, Hudson Curran Reeve knows one thing: how to how to. He knows exactly who to hang with. I mean, all these guys are having to have great long NFL careers. There's not a bust in this group. Um, yeah. Uh, you can you can rank them any way. You can change them around any way you want to, and you'll still be right. There's no wrong answer to these guys. The uh, Dizzle Dave Gerzak chiming in in the chat. He says Kyle Pitts is his one. Uh, beg your pardon, one hundred and one, followed by the two running backs, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and then Jamar Chase. He said he might flip Etienne and Harris around, but he still has Harris going um, in number one. He says he's not sure if Jamar Chase is even his number one receiver. Um, plenty of stuff to be um, unfolded over the next three weeks. And obviously, mm-hmm. once we get into NFL draft weekend, things will flip there as well. But that is where we stand on that right now. Hey, in just about one minute, we have Dan Priestner, a.k.a. Joe Van Gogh, coming up to talk about his uh, almost two dozen league victories in the FFPC last year. Before we do that, I do want to get to some Saints talk here, Farrell. Um, Ian Rappaport says uh, that he believes Jameis Winston has a leg up on Taysom Hill in the Saints quarterback competition on the wake of uh, Drew Brees' retirement. According to Ian Rappaport, Winston, quote, really impressed in practice. The Saints, quote, like what they have seen of his decision-making. They believe he is, quote, primed to make a big leap. Now, if you remember last year when Brees went down, Saints turned to Taysom Hill instead of Jameis Winston when Drew Brees got hurt. Rappaport said that was because Sean Payton had already promised Taysom Hill the opportunity to start. Now, Hill was 
better than I know what I thought I was going to see, better than what a lot of people mm-hmm. thought they're going to see. But maybe Sean Payton expected a little bit more from Taysom Hill. And I'm going to kind of um, uh, wrap this up into our next point here. New Orleans Football's Nick Underhill said Winston or Hill, regardless of who it is, could quote unlock Traquan Smith's potential this coming year. Remember back in the day, Traquan Smith, when he was in college was a very explosive deep threat and he just never seemed to click with Drew Brees and the fact that Drew Brees loved the timing routes and, and loved the um, anticipate, uh, anticipatory throws and the stuff over the middle. Brees did not have the arm strength to get it deep as much as he did early in his career, especially the last couple of years. And you would like to think that Winston, Taysom Hill, who both have strong arms, would fit what, ta- uh, what uh, Traycon Smith does best, and that is get over the top of the secondary. Traquan Smith, 34 catches, 448 yards, four touchdowns on 50 targets last year. That was his career high in targets, catches, and yards. Winston, if you remember, hit uh, Traquan Smith on a 56-yard touchdown in um, the Saints' playoff win when they beat the Bears in the opening round of the playoffs. Uh, Taysom Hill connected with Traquan Smith on two deep routes during uh, Hill's tenure as the starting quarterback last year. You'd like to think that Smith would be the number two wideout in New Orleans behind Michael Thomas. Um, but, you know, Marquez Callaway, also a potential uh, person that could leapfrog Traquan Smith there. So, Farrell, I want to get your oh. thoughts. Number one, who do you think is going to start at quarterback for the Saints between Winston and Hill? And piggyback on that, how do you like Traquan Smith believing – or how, how do you like Traquan Smith – knowing who you believe will be the starting quarterback for New Orleans this coming upcoming year. Okay. Well, you know, Ian's up to it. Yeah, Ian has too many platforms in the media. Now this is, this comes off his rap <laughs> sheet. So you say, and now I wonder if you have to subscribe to the rap sheet to find out that James Winston, an NFL quarterback who once threw just in 2019, once threw for over 5,000 yards, really impresses in practice. Now, that, that's, that's news right there. But, you know, you kept digging with this, Balky, and I think the real news that gives me some respect to this head coach is he promised the position uh, yeah. to Taysom Hill and delivered it. And I like that. And that's in, if, if any part of that is really true, that gives me a newfound respect uh, for that head coach. And, and yes, I, I kind of got what I expected from Hill. I, I thought he, his release point, he threw the ball a little bit better. But Jameis Winston is a quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Now, you're right about this wide receiver. People come up to me, you know, Balky, how much, how much of the red zone do you watch? I almost exclusively your... red zone. Almost yeah. exclusively okay. red zone. Even, even though I, I love my Packers, but even if they're playing at, new, at like a 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock game, I'm still pretty much watching Red Zone exclusively. If you can watch Red Zone and then watch the primetime games Thursday, Monday, and Sunday, I'm going yep. to say that's enough. But everybody talks to me about how they can improve as a player. I tell them to notice the little things about the players and notice the really big things about the game. In, in Smith's case, the little things about this player – is he's six foot two, two hundred ten pounds, and moves beautifully. A four four nine at the combine was his time speed. I think he plays faster than that. And don't get that confused with all these forty times that this draft class is putting up on their home college fields at pro day. A four four nine at the combine is moving. That's speed. You know, whenever you throw the ball, I'm no genius of the mathematical bulky, but. They've thrown the ball 120 times to him. He's called 80 passes since he's been in New Orleans with a variety of quarterbacks. Um, that that means that if you throw it to him three times, he's going to catch it two times, and I think that works for a wide receiver in this kind of offense. Um, I, I'm very, very bullish on this player. If you look at what New Orleans has been doing the last couple of years, you summed it up beautifully. They are not playing – the Traquan Smith kind of type of game. And if you go back to what they promised to do with uh, the quarterback Hill, you're in a situation where you look at the fact that the coach and the front office and everyone there, the offensive coordinator, they've been with this player a while. And they have to look around that room when they go and review their roster and think about the philosophy of their of their construction and what they want to do on Sunday. And they've never given this player the opportunity to be what he wants to be and what they thought he could be. They spent a third-round draft pick on him. This is his year to shine. 
I think he'll step up and do it. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see um, all this team gel like I think it will. I'm very bullish on this player, and he is practically being given away in every FFPC draft that I've been in this year. Yeah, Farrell, you got that right. Tricon Smith, wide receiver 86 right now. He has got an ADP over the last five days at the 24-10. This is right after Deami Brown and Julian Edelman, who we found out may not play all 16 games or any games this season. He's going after them, and he was going right before Quintez Cetus, who I actually do like this year. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, the rookie receiver out of USC. We are going to get into more conversation with rookies and and rookie receivers with our guest, who I want to bring aboard right now, ladies and gentlemen. He is – it it was a big year in 2024 and last year. 23 league championships for our guest. It was split among Football Guys Players Championship Leagues, Dynasty FFPC Leagues, and FFPC Best Ball Leagues. He's here to dish a little dynasty advice, a little best ball knowledge on the show tonight. Please welcome in. You know him as Joe Van Gogh on the FFPC website. We know him as Dan Priestner, and we follow him on Twitter at DPriestner. Please welcome aboard the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight, Dan Priestner. Dan, thank you so much for making some time for our little podcast this week, man. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much, guys. I'm extremely excited to be uh, on today. First time I've uh, done a fantasy football podcast, so I'm uh, very, very excited. I am honored to be uh, invited, so thank you guys. One of the things that we we always love um, bringing on underexposed fantasy, uh, and and I won't use the term expert because I know that makes some players a little bit uncomfortable, but you are certainly uh, a veteran and a very experienced and a very successful player in the FFPC, Dan, So, and that's how I'll introduce you on. So now a little bit of confusion here. People know you as Joe Van Gogh in FFPC drafts. They know you as D Priestner on Twitter. How did the whole um, – I, I, not that you're trying to hide yourself because you're not, um, but, but how did the whole Joe Van Gogh name um, come forward here with the FFPC drafts? Yeah, you know, uh, when I signed up for FFPC about three years ago, I, I had used this name – in all kinds of different online forums in the past, um, you know, going back to honestly when I was about 16, 18 years old, 20 years ago, uh, playing in you know online uh, hockey leagues where I would play like you know NHL 98 or something on the internet against other people, and I would call myself Joe Van Gogh. So uh, it comes from a, a song by one of my favorite songwriters named Dan Byrne. Uh, it's a song of his about uh, you know the fictional son of Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, so I use that name. Um, and uh, when I signed up for FFPC, I had an email already with that name, um, and so and then it just kind of took off, and I really never expected uh, to become such, um, you know, a voluminous player in the FFPC when I started, and, um, you know, so now that uh, I have the opportunity to speak publicly, I certainly would prefer to use my, my real name. This is good stuff, um, and I, I was not familiar with Dan Byrne, but according to Wikipedia, his music has been compared to Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie, Bruce Springsteen, Phil Oaks. Phil Ox, I'm not, not familiar with that, Farrell, you'd be the expert here. And then, and then Elvis Costello. So certainly, and he, and, and by the way, Dan Byrne also has a pseudonym called Cunliffe Maywe- Merriweather. Beg your pardon. Um, <laughs> he's, got, too. So, he's got so several we pseudonyms. Are, <laughs> oh, several. Okay, this is great. So, so we are, this is the incognito edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight with Dan Burns. <laughs> there we go. So this is good stuff, and you can check out Dan Burns' music at danburn.com. Uh, good stuff I so would advise far. you to. I, all right. I will definitely be checking that out for sure. He, uh, he is a Midwestern uh, uh, musician, which I always love, so I'll definitely be checking out Dan Burns' music after this. All right. Let's get into uh, – uh, actually, a big part, before we get into let's fantasy football – what, what are you doing, Dan, for a living right now when you're not winning all these FFPC leagues? Well, um, I am in the automotive retail business. Uh, I've been in the business my whole uh, career, so for over 20 years. I'm with a large uh, national automotive group up in Canada. We have 21 dealerships uh, across the country. We represent Toyota, Lexus, uh, GMC, Chevrolet, uh, Ford, Honda, Acura, so quite a, quite a number of brands. Um, it's a family business. My father and my grandfather have been in the business, and so I'm following closely in those footsteps. Um, it's been a pretty wild 
12 months ride, as I'm sure you can appreciate with uh, most businesses having been on quite a roller coaster due to COVID. And so, uh, you know, in fact, uh, in Ontario right now, we're currently dealing with a lockdown, but we're fortunate that mm. there's still a strong, de- strong, strong demand for cars. Uh, so we continue to just make sure to be at our best when people are uh, ready to buy something and hopefully they'll buy it from us. Balky, I would like you to put the producers uh, and um, I want to put you, everybody on notice and particularly you. Uh, we're going to go over tonight. We're, we're going over <laughs> the hour. Uh, this right. is, there, there's <laughs> way too much going on here. We've got, we've got a two part show here. And so we just might as well make it, you know, that and it's pleasure. It's, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. What part of Ontario do you live in? Uh, personally, I actually live in Edmonton, Alberta, um, out west. But um, oh wow, I'm actually currently traveling out in Ontario. I was supposed to have meetings next week, but uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, that's canceled. So yes, looks like I'll be heading open, back to Alberta. Please open that border. Uh, please, please get that border open where we can have uh, uh, some Canadian football. Now, I got to tell you about long trips. Uh, the musical and, and a game we play in the, in the tour bus in the music industry. It's it's name the song, name the group that nobody knows. And if you come up with the best song or the best name that no one knows, you're the winner. And so, you know, I've used Burns before and another Canadian group that people don't know well down here, but the Water Boys. You're familiar with the Water Boys? That's 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 one that you I think you would equally like. Here's a player yes. that I that I'm not familiar with, and I want to kick you off with some fantasy football this way. I mean, I'm familiar sure. with him, but I don't know what to do with him. I didn't know last year. I watched him. I couldn't figure it out. Can't figure out what the team's doing with him. That's J.K. Dobbins. It, you know, it, and uh-huh. people are high on him. They're very very high on him. I don't know if you had success with him. If you did, you had to pick one of the games that he scored some of those nine touchdowns in. Or, you know, but I'm seeing ten carries a game for this player, and I don't know how he's going to build on that. Week 16 against the Cincinnati team this year, after they had already mailed it in, he had his biggest game of the year. J.K. Dobbins, let me know what you feel about him. At the end of the second round, the 14th running back off the board, I'm taking a big pass on it because I just don't see it. What do you think? Well, uh, let me break it down for you in my opinion here. So he is my most owned player in the dynasty format. And and that could be why you're asking me about him. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we evaluate him from a dynasty standpoint, man, he really checks all the boxes. Like he's 22 years old. He's got the size, speed, the draft capital, the efficiency, the breakout age, the raw production. I mean, we love this guy from a dynasty standpoint. And I would say as, as a runner, he you know, looks to be one of the most effective runners in the league, and, and that was in a limited role, of course, in a great rushing offense. So there's plenty of reasons to be bullish on him. If Gus Edwards were to be marginalized, I'd say Dobbins could go higher than a 210. But let me stop there because I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, Gus Edwards seems to have more staying power than probably anyone expected. I certainly expected Dobbins to have a higher snap share and opportunity share. And when you look at a redraft, uh, you're asking about 2.10. I mean, boy, if you think about what you've got at 1.3, it's likely an elite running back. So I don't feel like I need to take Dobbins at this 2.10 spot. Um, you know, I'd like to see uh, with Dobbins uh, more volume first because otherwise we need to rely on his yards per touch. We need to rely on his breakaway runs and we need to rely on a positive game script. And th- a lot of those things, you know, they may or may not happen. You could have efficiency regression. And when I look at uh, who's available around him, I see AJ Brown. I see Justin Jefferson. Um, I see Antonio Gibson, um, mm-hmm. even guys like Michael Thomas, who, who might be undervalued, depending on how that situation shakes out. You guys were just talking about Jameis Winston. Um, I don't see much else in that offense other than Michael Thomas. So there's a lot of options in this range. And so I honestly feel like I'm not going to have much of him at 210. And if he drops to 303 and I don't like what happened at the turn, I might, uh, I might snag him at 303. But I don't see myself picking up too much J.K. Dobbins at 2.10. This is interesting. Okay, uh, good stuff there. Certainly, uh, Dan, we appreciate that. I want to um, keep the conversation focused on running backs here. Now, last year, and I feel like this is sort of um, a, a recurring theme on the show that we've had, is first-round busts. How do you handle them the following year? 
Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. We saw the 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 uno- again another unofficial mascot of the show. We uh, Tupacker took Miles Sanders at the 101 of one football guys draft that he was in last year. Certainly, anybody who took him in the first round feel like they got let down. You could get him in the third round, granted early third round of FFPC best ball drafts right now. Um, Dan, are you betting on a bounce back from Miles Sanders this season? A little bit of a change there. I mean, he's obviously going to have a new quarterback, new head coach there. How do you feel about Miles Sanders in 2021? So I'm definitely one of the many who was burned by Mr. Sanders. I was oh. very bullish on his, uh, uh, his outlook last year. Uh, but, man, did he play behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league, just battered uh, a new five-man formation in almost every game, uh, a really bad football team last year with uh, an outgoing coach and an outgoing quarterback. Um, I love Miles Sanders. I think he's an electric back. I think he's a size, speed, burst, agility uh, combo. He's got efficiency. We've seen good vision. We've seen him hit the hole. We've seen him break long runs. We've seen great pass-catching ability. And he even broke the, you know, Doug Peterson narrative that uh, Peterson wants to split his running back, uh, running backs up. Uh, I think he was at a 77% snap share. So I think he's going to enjoy the read option, uh, kind of like Dobbins does, but I think he's going to have a way higher snap share. And so uh, I'd like to see the team improve. Obviously, you want to see that offense in better game script. Uh, so you want to see more uh, rushing plays when they're leading. You want to see more goal line carries. But I like the Eagles uh, this year. I think they're undervalued right now. The O-line play should be a big improvement if these guys are actually healthy. Uh, and if they draft the top-end wide receiver, who a lot of uh, mock drafts are, are projecting, uh, I think this team has a chance of being a lot better than people think. Um, I think their, their game total was really low. I quickly glanced at that from what I would have expected. So I think I might be a little ahead of the field on Sanders if he's going to go in the third round here. Yeah, that's, you talk about teams that are improving, and, and yes, we're going to see the Eagles improve, and that's, Sanders will be the key to doing it. Uh, the key to the Jacksonville Jaguars is is coming in how many days, Balky? 20 days until the draft? There's, there's, 20 days, there's baby. No, you got it. There's no mystery about this one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, the kid from Georgia, will be headed down that's the road right. to play in Jacksonville, which is a great place for him to be comfortable Uh kid that grew up in the South and, you know, I just can't think of a better matchup. But what I want to know, which receiver benefits the most? Now, I am a big Marvin Jones guy, especially when I look at those TD totals over the last two years. Nine touchdowns each year. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, you know, he checks all the boxes. DJ Chark's been around for a while and has been explosive with the Duke's mixture of quarterbacks that have been utilized there in the past. How, what do you foresee Trevor Lawrence doing for this offense? How quickly do you see him being successful? And most importantly, how do you rank these receivers and who do you really, based on where they're being drafted now, do you think is the greatest value of those three? Okay. So Trevor Lawrence as a prospect, I mean, I think, um, there aren't too many people you can find who, who would dispute his, um, you know, perched up there at the number one position. I think that's pretty obvious. I think he's uh, the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Um, so I think we have um, pretty high expectations for Lawrence. The only thing I would say is in any, the case of any rookie quarterback, you always want to give them a little bit of time just to make sure they can get acclimated to the league. Um, and sometimes from a fantasy standpoint, I don't want to get too bullish uh, on rookie quarterback. Uh, situations. Now, how quickly will he be successful? I mean, this is a guy that could be successful pretty quickly uh, and make me eat my words. That is for sure. Now, you're asking, how do I rank the best uh, value amongst these Jags wide receivers? And so I look at the relative value. I think you could argue, really, uh, looking at the ADP, all three are reasonably good selections at their range. Um, so when I look at uh, at this in terms of, you know, who, who do I want on my fantasy team? Well, I don't want to be deciding between one, two, or three of these guys. So in a redraft, I'm only going to go with one. Uh, But in a best ball, I would look maybe at two or three of these guys, even if I was going to get creative uh, stacking. Now, your question about value, uh, to me it's about what can you get versus what do you leave behind when you make a selection uh, between two players at their ADP. So I'll start with DJ Chark. Uh, The eighth round, uh, in theory, might seem like a great spot for Chark, but the wide receiver position is quite deep. 
Um, I say that uh, it's a good spot for Chark because I, I do prefer him straight up to the tight ends and running backs in this range. But when I look at who's available around him, and you can draft a Juju Smith-Schuster or a mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, and I think you can expect similar production. And you could certainly argue that both Juju and Boyd have a longer history of success while Chark has been inconsistent but obviously displayed a big ceiling. You know, if Chark hits that ceiling, you know, he could move up that draft board. You'd probably be picking him in the fifth like last year. But what are the odds of that in year one? I'm not so sure that happens. LaVisca Chenault, this is a player I like from a dynasty standpoint, once again. But like Chark, I see guys in this range that you can expect similar numbers from. Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, maybe Marquise Brown. These are guys uh, that I think potentially have less target competition while, you know, sharing similar questions at quarterback. Um, So I could pick any of those guys on any given day in a best ball or a redraft, just depending on how my team's going. So uh, you talked about Marvin Jones, and when you go down to round 15 and you see Marvin Jones sitting there, I mean, he was going last year in what, round eight, round nine? Uh, I remember taking him in, in those rounds last year and being happy about it. Um, who are you going to get in round 15? Like uh, Antonio Brown, Todd Gurley. I mean, I, I'm going to be all over Marvin Jones in round 15. I think there's a couple guys there. Him uh, and Jalen Rager stand out to me uh, as guys that I, I probably have a lot of in, in best ball formats if they're going to go that late. I certainly didn't have the success that you had last year. But uh, one of the things that I did have – that was common amongst my successful teams was Robbie Anderson in the 15th round. And I said, you know, who am I going to find that's going to be 2021's Robbie Anderson? Because I need that production coming out of that round. So, so you, you may just be lining up for me uh, very nicely there. Uh, great to hear. Glad we're thinking the same way. Yeah, well, exactly where we're great minds think alike, and it's great to hear that I have a co-host and a very accomplished uh, guest tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer, Dan Priestner. It's winner of 23 FFPC uh, Dynasty, FFPC Best Ball, and Football Guys Players Championship League last year. Just for um, so everybody knows we're on the same page here as far as ADP goes among those Jaguars receivers. I know the chat room is loving Marvin Jones right now. He has an ADP. Over the last five days in FFPC best ball drafts, as the 1604 pick, that's wide receiver wow. 74. Yeah, oh, he's going very really. late. Lavisca Chenault, wide receiver 31 at the 702, and then of course uh, DJ Chark going at the wide receiver 30 immediately before Lavisca Chenault at the 701. Just just to put this. You know, as long as we're going to uh, qualify it here. Marvin Jones is going right after Tamari and Terry, Amari Rogers, and Jamison Crowder. Oh, he is going right before <laughs> Sammy Watkins, Jalen Darden, and, of course, the unsigned Antonio Brown. I need to FFPC get into best, best ball soon. soon. You, Dan, what are you doing, man? You, the, the money's right out there. You can make it right now. Oh, man. You can make it literally right now. <laughs> um, let, I want to I shift the focus. Let, let's talk a, a little bit about tight ends here. And we're going to talk about Mike Jasicki. He is the tight end 11. Now, this is a guy that a lot of FFPC players were on last year. Maybe not necessarily as a bona fide starting tight end, but if you waited on tight end, he was a guy who could become your starter or the immediate backup to whoever you picked in the top 10 last year. He's going at the end of the seventh round in FFPC best balls. Why do you think he's a good selection for FFPC owners at the end of the seventh round in best balls right now? Well, before I tell you that I think he's a good selection, let me just uh, put in the big caveat that if this team selects Kyle Pitts in the NFL draft, that's going to throw everything I'm saying out the window because I really don't know how they would utilize the two together. Now, outside of that, um, this seems like a nice value to me. Kasiki is really an athletic freak, a size, speed specimen. I own a lot of him as well in Dynasty. Seems to me like he took a nice step forward last year. I really like that he's number two in the league in uh, slot snaps, excuse me, uh, number three in air yards, number three in deep targets, number five in yards per reception. So if we can get the volume up, the efficiency is there, and he really passes the eye test. Um, 65% snap share, again, if that can come up, I think we've got a guy here that has some upside. The only issue is, of course, the addition of Will Fuller could really draw the targets that way. But I kind of like Fuller to open up the, the middle of the field and those yeah. underneath routes to, to really add to Gesicki and what he's doing um, and really make him less of the focal point for the defense. So you combine that with the potential development of Tua, and I think there's a lot of reasons to like Mike Gesicki's outlook. If I haven't scooped up a tight end by around seven, this would be a great spot to grab him, in my opinion. 
keeping with that tight end situation, what's been happening to me, if, if, if I go early tight end, which usually ends up being Waller, it, but, but well, whoever it is amongst the top five tight ends, if you're looking for a second guy, I think the natural landing space for those guys is around 11, 12, 13. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking in that group. I see two I like, and Balky will help me with the ADP, but I think from, from what I remember drafting, uh, in in this group, Gronkowski's there. Uh, the, the kid from Dayton is playing with the Saints. Troutman is there. Uh, Jarwin, I see Jarwin going off the board here, and I'm not even sure that's his job. Hooper, uh, Dawson Knox, who's uh, – uh, it's a very ordinary player to me there. So so I'm leaning uh, veteran and rookie in this group that I mentioned, uh, Gronkowski and Troutman. Do you have any feeling about those players, or am I missing uh, am I missing the tight end in that area that I should be uh, targeting? Well, the first guy I'd ask you about is Gerald Everett. I see him. Uh, mm-hmm. in the fantasy mojo uh, range right around the back of the 11th, but I also see him going as early as the 8th, so I don't know if he qualifies. You know, Obviously, Everett's a real popular choice now with the, the move to Seattle, the fact they really don't have a pass-catching tight end of really any significance. Uh, so I like that spot for Gerald Everett. He's, he's got a great profile, uh, good size-speed combination. He's shown some ceiling games before. Uh, and with tight ends, for whatever reason, it just takes so long for them to develop. Uh, this seems like a guy who could break out a little later uh, in his career with, with a, uh, a move here to a, a great, great location. Um, now, I also like Blake Jarwin. I think Spike Weeks, especially in best ball, playing on one of the league's best offenses, I really like Jarwin. Um, I also think he's probably a reasonable backup in a standard redraft uh, in this range. The last guy I wrote down uh, about this topic was Adam Troutman. I really like the lack of tar- target competition in, in New Orleans, and I liked Troutman coming out. So it seems to me like a good chance for a breakout there. The only thing is, again, it's only his second year, and a lot of these times, a lot of these tight ends really disappoint us uh, in their early career. Balky, you correct yeah, I- me if I'm wrong, but Everett, uh, I don't, I don't think we can get Everett at 11 anymore. I, I think he was. I think he was much later, and then the trade came, and he's been a favorite of the show ever since we started talking about him. But he's a, he's a single-digit draft player now. Am I right, Balky? Farrell, apparently we don't have as many listeners drafting in FFPC drafts as we might think because over the last five days, Gerald Everett is tight end 26 at the fourteen-oh-four. So you're still getting oh a good goodness. deal on him. Uh, for sure, on on uh, on tight ends there. You t- you guys talked about uh, a couple other tight ends. Rob Gronkowski, uh, as far as as his FFPC ADP goes now. Obviously, you know since he said he's coming back, that which was a while ago. Um, fantasy owners haven't necessarily fallen in love with him uh, in the FFPC, given the return of OJ Howard. He's tight end thirty two, going at seventeen. Oh, I beg your pardon. I'm looking at the wrong one right now. I'm looking at Dynasty. My fault. I'm I'm terribly sorry, everybody. I am the worst. Rob Gronkowski, tight end 22 at the 1204, and then Gerald Everett. Uh, I'm going to read you off right now. He is going, but still, I mean, still very late. Tight end 21. He is going at the 1112. So you could still get Everett Good in buddy. a double-digit round in best ball drafts. Certainly, you want to hop on that. Everett, by the way, going right after Eric Ebron and Cole Komet. He is going right before Rob Gronkowski and Austin Hooper. Gronkowski going right before, obviously, Hooper, and then Troutman and the former Saints tight end, Jared Cook, there as well. Um, let's talk about um, uh, the Jets, and in, in I know this is, has not been a very exciting team to talk about over the last several years, and I feel like we don't talk about them in season. We just talk about them out of season when we're talking about what they're going to do in the NFL draft and who they're going to get and who they're going to get in free agency. Um, Zach Wilson it sounds like is going to be the pick at 102 here in the NFL draft for the New York Jets. He should be the starting quarterback at some point in the season. If it's not week one, it should be shortly thereafter. What will his presence, Dan, do for Denzel Mims' fantasy value, a guy that a lot of people were on prior to the NFL draft last year and obviously soured on him a little bit once he was drafted by the Jets? How do you feel about Denzel Mims this year catching balls 
probably from Zach Wilson. Well, I was one of the, the ones who was high on Mims. Uh, I liked his profile coming out. Obviously, again, another size speed uh, guy, a real alpha wide receiver profile. Um, so I still like the player. I think the situation last year was poor. I'm pretty sure he was injured at some point. I'd have to double check that. But um, I don't think it was an ideal rookie season for him, of course. But I think the profile is there. Now, with Zach Wilson, I am admittedly not a, an expert on um, you know quarterbacks coming out of college but from what I understand, what I've read, the arm talents there, the deep ball abilities there, which should mesh well with Mims, uh, and it would seem that the quarterback has a ceiling. Uh, but I have read a lot about um, you know, some doubt in, in Zach Wilson uh, about him as the number two pick. Inconsistency is a word that I've come across a lot in reading about Wilson. Um, and I think we, we could probably expect uh, the O-line to be a work in progress, though uh, I do like the, the one tackle they took last year. Um, now Mims, you know, his speed size profile as I said it's envious uh, he proved he could catch a deep ball uh, so it could be a good fit I just don't know that this situation is going to be um, you know good enough in time fast enough for us to cash out um, when I say that I look at the, the ADP and Mims is going in round 16 um, Wilson's going in round 12 and Corey Davis is going in round 12 so I mean if you want to get creative in a best ball and, and take a shot I mean those are guys you could certainly uh, swing on and if you miss uh, no big deal but if you hit you're, you're probably one of the few who has them so uh, their ADPs could pay off in that range I'm just not personally overly bullish on the situation I think that's how everyone feel about the uh, about the Jets until they see uh, Zach Wilson under center bulky you think the same I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it, it's weird because, and Farrell, like, call me crazy on this uh, as far as uh, Zach Wilson goes. But, and, and I know I shouldn't do this. Like, I know I'm a borderline respected person of the fantasy football industry. But, like, Zach Wilson, I, and Dizzo and I have had this conversation. I look at the picture of Zach Wilson, just like his headshot, and, I'm, and uh-huh. immediately I'm like, there is no way that that guy is going to be a successful player in the NFL. I don't care if he's a punter, a kicker, a long snapper, a gunner on special teams, a quarterback. There is no – because he just, he just looks like this whole um, laissez – he has this whole laissez-faire frat boy attitude, right, based on, based on how he looks. And I shouldn't be judging people on looks. You are judging that old book that. by its cover, Balky. Oh, uh, and you I know, can't uh, do that. And you, it's terrible. You it's just can't do that. You cannot no, do and that. I, and, this, this player's got a this player's got a lot of skills that uh, he was able to show, and he did a lot of it on his own because you know at Brigham Young they're good athletes, but it's not like playing at Alabama. It's not like playing for an SEC team that's had top recruits around you. Um, it, it, I think you're going to be very very happy with Zach Wilson, but we move on uh, because I I believe that we were just going down a road as we started talking about putting these jet players together that got me to, to the game within the game of the, uh, of, of the draft master and best ball type format. Uh, and, and that is stacking. I love this as a philosophy yeah. when I've been doing the draft masters. And I want you guys to tell me if I'm right about this. You know, I put together some Wentz and Pittman and Hilton and then some Brady and the running back Jones, Evans or Godwin, Gronkowski. I, I, I just love that. It, it keeps me, uh, keeps me engaged. Am I, am I working this best ball concept in, in its best way to, to try to do that? Is, is this, is this a strategy that you would endorse? Absolutely. I mean, I'm definitely conscious of stacking, especially in the best ball formats. Um, you know, I like cheap stacks. You know, everybody would love to have, you know, Allen and Diggs and, and Brady and Evans and sure. Godwin. Uh, but generally speaking, when you're trying to build a best ball team, the cost tends to be high and you tend to have to reach. Um, you tend not to be in the right draft slot to get the guys you need to make the stack happen. And then you end up uh, losing out on value by trying to make a stack happen. So yeah. I prefer to draft the best player available in the early rounds. And, and I start looking for stacks as the draft unfolds. And sometimes it happens by accident. Sometimes it happens on purpose. Um, but I'm always looking to stack situations in best ball where the value is right on the board 
where the target shares are reasonably predictable for receivers and where those players have big play upside or at least have PPR specific value. So, you know, we want spike weeks that correlate. And if we build, uh, in my opinion, sometimes you can even build in multiple mini stacks within your 28 player best ball roster. And we don't have to overpay for those stacks. And we also don't need them to necessarily hit in the same weeks. So I'll never force a stack at the expense of obvious value. Um, but if I look at the current board, and I was doing that earlier today, a couple of sneaky ones uh, that jump out to me. I think everyone might be on the Washington football team. I'm hearing a lot of talk about them lately. But a more sneaky one maybe would be uh, the Giants. You know, Galladay in the sixth, right. a lot of upside there. Daniel Jones in the 10th or 11th. Uh, I'm not sure what QB number that is, but it's got to be, you know, reasonable. And then look at Shepard in the 19th, Slayton in the 22nd. That's the kind of sneaky stack that any of those guys could hit any given week. And they're probably not all going to hit at once. That's for sure with Daniel Jones, a quarterback. But when, when that stack hits, it could be one, again, that uh, not too many people have. I have a lot more confidence in that one than I do the Jets one I brought up earlier. The other one I like is the Browns. Um, a little more expensive, but, you know, Odell Beckham in round eight, we've seen a ceiling from him. I know it's been a few years, uh, but you could gamble there. Baker in round 10, reasonable price for a quarterback who had a good year. And Jarvis Landry in round, round 11. I mean, this is a guy with PPR value, so uh, that can give you a big week and can also give you some really nice floor weeks throughout the season to, to kind of round out your best ball team. And I'll put Not in necessary. that you need a Raiders stack, too, because nobody wants to draft the Raiders. So you, you can That's get, a you, really you good can, one. When you talk about cheap ones, yep. You can start on your quarterback at the 15th and go through the 25th. You'll be okay. Just get Waller and Dave <laughs> somewhere. That's the beautiful think, thing about cheap stacks. The, and in regards to those stacks, do you ever see a competitor come out of character, overdraft just to block you from getting your stack? He'll pick a player two, three, four <laughs> rounds ahead just to make sure you didn't get the player you wanted. Do you see that? Yeah, or am I, I just imagining that happened to me? No, no, that happens for sure. I had uh, I can remember a specific instance last year, and it was in, an, in I believe, in a football guy's draft. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I had I had two of the three of Cooks, Fuller, and Watson, and um, I'm pretty sure I had the two receivers. Uh, I can't quite remember exactly. And then the, the guy swooped in and grabbed the quarterback, and he made a comment in the, in the chat and said, "No way, you're getting that stack, buddy." <laughs> all those FFPC and football guys drafters, they know what's going on for sure. Yeah, not all these guys. The stacks, yeah, sharp guys for sure. It's not always about the stacks. Sometimes it's the cheap stacks. You need to focus on, and you got a couple of them from Dan Priestner here tonight. Dan, um, we're going to squeeze in one email here before Farrell asks his, uh, his final question of the night. This email comes from Bill in Norcross, Georgia. Bill, thank you for the email. Uh, he says, should I be fading Adam Thielen in best ball drafts with Justin Jefferson taking over in the Minnesota receiving core? Thanks, Joe. That is uh, Bill in Norcross, Georgia, or should I say thanks, Dan? Uh, in Norcross, Georgia, from Bill. Um, so just to give everybody a, a bit of background, uh, as far as best ball drafts go right now in the FFPC, Justin Jefferson is wide receiver six, going at the 301. Thielen, not that high. Thielen is wide receiver 24 at the 606. Now, Dan, when you look at Thielen going in the mid-sixth round, does that still represent a good value for you, or are you worried about Justin Jefferson really taking over in year two? I still like Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to see him quite this far down the board. Um, so, no, I would definitely not fade him at the 6.6. I uh, haven't had much of a chance to think about it, but I could imagine uh, drafting him uh, probably up to a round earlier. I think uh, there's not a lot of target competition in Minnesota. That hasn't exactly changed. We do like Irv Smith, I think. Uh, but um, I think Adam Thielen's going to have a pretty strong target share regardless of what Justin Jefferson does. And Kirk Cousins is a fairly consistent quarterback, and I think he's uh, underappreciated, especially for his ability to help uh, his receivers deliver fantasy points. Dan, I, I really got to request you to focus now because I need a lot of help. Uh, the, uh, a brilliant educator. I'm dialed in. Uh, thank you, sir. The, the brilliant educator known as Hudson Kern-Reeve, who – claim to fame, I suppose, is that he's now thought of as a mascot of the show. But nevertheless, <laughs> a wonderful guy has suckered me in to a startup of guys that have been playing Dynasty Ball together for 20 years, and I'm the new guy on the block. 
So I need some help. Um, as I've never drafted a dynasty league, and I'm going to go and draft against these guys. So I need to know the player that, that you'd most like to acquire, and I will tell you just that I have the seventh pick in the draft. It's a player you would most like to acquire right now, and the player that you would be looking to deal to someone else that means that I should avoid at all costs in our uh, maiden draft here coming up May 2nd. Okay, so uh, a buy, a guy to buy. Now, I don't know if I'd buy him at 1.7, probably a bit high. Uh, but the guy I really like, he's been rising and rising, uh, is Antonio Gibson. Um, he came into the league with very little college production, but a fascinating profile, especially as a pass catcher. Uh, he comes into the league and um, almost uh, paradoxically um, becomes an extremely effective inside runner, which is what everyone was questioning about him. We know he can catch the ball, and we – probably don't expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to check down 15 times a game to J.D. McKissick like Alex Smith was doing. I think Gibson has a great chance to increase his snap share from the 45% last year to the 65 or higher range, and I think that combined with his pass-catching prowess, we could be looking at a real gem uh, in all formats versus his current ADP. Um, I'm in a $500 startup league with some of the best players in the FFPC. It's the Dynasty Depot Masters League. I was lucky enough to be invited. I feel a little bit like you do, uh, Farrell, where I'm kind of the new guy to the block, and there's a whole bunch of sharks swimming around the room. And I saw mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson go at the 110. And so the hype is real, and I am buying it. Um, I love it. You asked, you asked for a sell. Um, my sell, who <laughs> ironically I drafted in that same $500 startup, uh, but it's David Montgomery. Um, to me, this seems obvious, Montgomery became the pass-catching back early last season when Tariq Cohen went down. I don't think uh, Cohen's going anywhere. I am not uh, no expert, of course, on roster uh, management in the NFL, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I fully expect Montgomery to lose a lot of that pass game work. Um, Montgomery did look really good after coming back from injury last season, but it was against some of the worst-run defenses in the NFL that had given up monster games to other backs as well. And so I just see this as a situation uh, to sell in Dynasty as I see Montgomery valued generally near the bottom of the top 20 running backs. And and I see him as a guy who could fall out of that uh, category uh, three or four weeks into the season when everyone realizes that uh, he's got an uninspiring profile and he's on an uninspiring offense and he's going to lose his pass-catching role. Uh, But don't tell the guys in that uh, Masters League because I'm going to try to trade him. Good job. (laughs) David Montgomery running back 23 in dynasty ADP right now. He's going at the 404 sort of the end of a, of a, of a plateau of a, of a tier uh, right now, because then the next running back on average is not going off the board until more than a round later. That's Kareem hunt followed by Chris Carson, Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie, and then AJ Dillon and Melvin Gordon. So certainly something to be wary of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and, it was and, the end and of a tier. I had no choice. These guys are too sharp. They left me with Montgomery at the 312, and I wasn't going to get a running back for, for you know, three or four more rounds that I wanted. And, and you know, there's something to be said for that, right? You know, like, I, I think there's – we've had a lot of people come on this show, Dan, and, and say, like, you know, get your guys, you know, only draft the guys that you want to root for. But there is something to be said for um, knowing the draft board and knowing where guys are going to go and, and knowing that, you know, I don't necessarily love this guy on my team – but as far as how the rest of the draft shapes up, um, this might not be the worst idea for me in the world to grab him here. And, and I think that's kind of – and you can you know, tell me if you feel differently because you're, you're an FFPC veteran uh, as far as dynasty drafts go, but sometimes I feel like that separates the, um, the average players or the good players from the great ones. Well, you know, I'm sitting there at the 312, and I know I'm not getting a back that I want for my RB2 spot. I know Montgomery can, can handle that job, but I also know that I can probably sell him in the next six to eight months before, you know, really, uh, you know, in my opinion, when, when his value might drop. So uh, I did try very hard. I called Nelson from the Dynasty Depot. He picked at 311 before me. He actually traded up to get in front of me because he knew I would take Josh Jacobs because he knows I don't like David Montgomery. I called him. I tried to make a trade uh, after he took Montgomery, but he just set the price too high. And so uh, I'll have to wait for my opportunity to sell Mr. Montgomery. We will have to wait for our opportunity to talk to one Joe Van Gogh slash Dan Priestner once again. This was so much fun having you aboard on the show tonight. Um, can't thank you enough for, for making a little time 
for us, Dan, I wish you nothing but the best, not only in your dynasty leagues, but in your best ball drafts, your football guys drafts, whatever leagues you are participating in in, in fantasy football uh, this year. What a treat to have you on. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again real soon, man. Thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate it so much. You guys do an awesome job. I listen to the show on a regular basis. I'm a big fan. So thank you guys so much. And you do a great job at the SFPC. Well, thank, thank you so you, much. We appreciate the kind words. Dan Priestner, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for popping aboard tonight. Remember to follow him on Twitter at D Priestner. Farrell, I would love to say, hey, let's, let's delve into a bunch of emails tonight, but we are out of time, which happens on this show from time to time. You I told you like, we were going to go over. We were going to go over. I, I know. Listen, I, for, for, you know, we need for an overtime for, show. We need like a second show. We need, you, you know, know what I what that. I always thought would be interesting. So, uh, Farrell, you don't listen to the Howard Stern show, do you? On Sirius XM, I have on occasion, sure. Okay, so they do uh, after how, so Howard Stern's on like three or four hours or whatever, but then they have a like a post show, like a recap mm-hmm. show where um I think it's John Heim and I can't remember who the other guy is who comes on, but they do the post show sort of wrap up, and it's an hour long show to wrap up three hours of, of yeah, Howard Stern's yeah. goodness. And, and sometimes I think they, they, very easily, Rob and Bryce could clearly do a half-hour recap of, of what we just talked about on the show. Well, the, the HSFF hour after hours, the HSFF hour part due, there's a, a plenty of ways to do it. Or you and I could just work a little overtime sometimes on, on these shows as well. It's all up in the air, and uh, we'll certainly explore that going forward. In the meantime, I'm going to encourage everybody – to go to the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship website at kffsc.com. I'm going to encourage everyone to sign up for the Run to Daylight Leagues where you can win as much as $5,000 in that. I'm going to encourage everybody to sign up for the Draft Masters Leagues, specifically the $39 Draft Master number four, Please. which we just need one more team in. One, we yeah. can start you know, people are just, they've been waiting two weeks, Balky, to draft. You know, they just get that right. one more guy to put us over the top. It would be great. And uh, I, I, Kevin Williamson, by the way, the Bourbon City Ballers himself, he was in the chat. He's, he's still in the chat room tonight for the HSFFR. I'm giving him the hard sell. I'm hoping that he can pop in and, and, and make, that, uh, make that league hold so we can get drafting. A lot of talented people in the uh, KFFSC drafting that, who also draft in the FFPC, by the way. Um, so certainly oh, yeah. looking forward to that. Um, Farrell, thanks so much again. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll do this again next Friday, man. Thank you, uh, thank you for everything you do. Thanks for co-hosting this show with me. See you then, Bucky. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter at Elliott, um, and certainly check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com. Okay, now, um, question in the chat room. This is the last thing I'm going to get to tonight. So um, Dan Priestner, who we want to thank for coming on uh, tonight, was talking about the uh, Dynasty Depot Masters League that, that he was in and talking about the running back value. Um, the Dizzle asked in the chat room, where were uh, the uh, North Carolina running backs going at in that dynasty startup, uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter? I'm going to tell you right now, Javante Williams actually went at the 301 in that draft. That was uh, Williams. Michael Carter, the other uh, North Carolina running back in this dynasty startup, he did not go until the, eight, uh, the 808 in that draft. So that is where you had the North Carolina go uh, running backs going. Uh, there you go. Um, thank you so much for listening, everybody. That, that's it for the show. I wish I had more. I wish we could keep talking fantasy football. Maybe, we'll, you know, I got this local um, uh, uh, Wisconsin sports talk radio show. We've been trying to make two hours for like the last six months. I'd love to make this two hours at some point too. Maybe a couple of guests a week. I don't know. It'll involve a little bit more finagling here for me, but I know our listeners like you right now would appreciate it. I don't know what's going to happen. Certainly the wheels are in motion. We'll see what happens. As a recap, I want to thank Dan Priestner, a.k.a. Joe Van Gogh. Remember to give him a follow on Twitter, at D Priestner. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you. We will be back next Friday, 10, 9 Central, right here on these airwaves to talk many more fantasy football um, uh, topics, conundrums, everything shaping up for all the NFL teams with the NFL draft at that point being less than two weeks away. We'll get into some rookie talk as well. 
Remember to register for Best Ball Leagues today, myffpc.com. And don't forget about the Dynasty Startups as well as the 2021 Football Guys Early Bird. Save um, or, or you can get a free FFPC $35 team credit when you sign up before June 30th and draft before July 15th in the Football Guys Players Championship. You can save $100 on the FFPC main event when you register today and as, as, as well as get into the um, uh, Pros versus Joe's drawing where you can draft and try to win a main event team for 2022 in, uh, in that format as well. Um, join the uh, KFFSC Run to Daylight competition, KFFSC.com, and don't forget about the Draft Masters competitions there as well. I, I want to thank everybody for listening in. I know we're, we're starting to kind of heat up for, for 2021, right, with the NFL draft around the corner. Everybody sort of knows the rookies by now. Everybody knows where they're sort of going and, um, you know, free draft, uh, dynasty startup draft. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we can't wait to be on that voyage with you going forward. Um, happy birthday to Dynasty Depot co-founder Nelson Burbett. I want to thank uh, him for everything he does in your weekend starts This now. has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I want to apologize for anybody who was hoping to get their email um, read and answered tonight. We will get to those next week. Um, we <laughs> Too much good stuff from our guests. I apologize. Um, and remember, when anybody asks you going forward, hey, where were you when the Padres threw their first no-hitter in team history? You can tell them you were listening to Dan Priestner, Eric Balkman, and Farrell Elliott on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Enjoy your weekend of drafting. And uh, feel free to send all those questions and, uh, and draft analyses into football at gmail.com or at HSFFOR on Twitter. Be good, everybody. Talk to you next week.